Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Nocturnal Animals podcast. Before we get started, we have been getting more listeners lately, but we still don't have very many reviews at all. And Pappy here, he's not on the episode, but he is here in the pre-ep to explain how to leave a review. It sure would mean a lot. I can't wait to listen to the episode, but if you want to support our podcast, open your iPhone, go to your podcast app, search for Spoilers Movies, and we should be the top result with a big orange spoilers bowl. Scroll to the bottom, leave us some stars and some words, and that really helps us show up in the rankings. We'd really appreciate that, and if you told a friend or two about us as well. Uh, I think that's it, isn't it, Pappy? That should be it. Okay, uh, here's the Nocturnal Animals episode. Jesus Christ. Okay, so let, let's exchange information. Information? Yeah. Let's exchange yeah. information. All right, we can get out of the glove compartment. Okay, I'm a Gemini. My favorite color is petal pink. I like long walks and kittens. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal stands up Amy Adams in the most elaborate scheme of all time. This is spoilers. Spoiler. <laughs> I'm gonna go with a way different spoiler. There. Same. <laughs> yeah, I know you guys have kind of had one track minds this week that we've been so preparing for say, this pod. Come for the Jake, stay for the rape. <laughs> wow. Early in the That's pod. That's Stevie. You guys all here, Stevie. Hey there. Why don't you tell everyone where you're from? I am from <laughs> Elkhart, Indiana, the city with a heart. <laughs> and uh yeah what else you want me to say nothing brother jordan nothing? i love this movie i'll say that where are you re- where are you recording from tonight hey man this is jordan uh recording from greensboro north carolina thanks jordan and brett where are you chilling tonight well i am from elkhart and i am chilling in fort wayne indiana the 260 yeah and we are not lucky enough to have Pappy or Money Mike on tonight. Pappy had to see about a girl. He's got a catch today, man. Yeah, man. He pulled the opposite of this movie. He actually went to the date. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That was spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) It's a story inside a story. (laughs) And Mikey had to pull someone else's work shift. So unfortunate but we will we will keep traversing the nocturnal waters here tonight i think um the first thing i wanted to say was that this was a request i took for a movie um my best friend drew actually told me hey if you did nocturnal animals i would definitely listen to hear what you had to say about that movie but apparently brett spilled the beans and already told drew that we're doing this and drew still said he wasn't gonna walk listen (laughs) no he didn't say that I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't tell him. There's no proof for that. What I meant was I won't tell him. You wouldn't? You don't wouldn't tell him? Oh, he's doing the, the Trump double there negative. There you go. There he you go, staunch. There oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, this How pot fitting. isn't going to come out for like three weeks, so there's going to be like three new Trump if, things by if then. That. <laughs> if it's out in three weeks. Can we predict what they'll be? No, let's move on. <laughs> that sounds too, too like staunch be, for this pod. Yeah, the waters would get too staunch instead of nocturnal. <laughs> I think um, we can dive into the movie instead of chatting and stuff. Uh, the movie starts off with um, 
I think this scene is actually why Drew suggested I watch the movie because it's he said it starts off with a shocker. And this was not what I was expecting. Stevie, how much do you think they paid these extras, these oh, nude geez. extras, at the beginning of the movie? Free lunch. Oh, jeez. That was probably about it. <laughs> wow. That's not, to be, that's not like a thing. Nothing against their weight. It's just like extras don't get paid a lot. But, um, yeah, this is a pretty shocking intro, you could say. What Jordan, do you think this art is saying? Jordan described what we're talking about in depth, so anyone who hasn't watched the movie can kind of know what's going on here. The opening credits. Uh, yeah, the, just tell them what's the, flopping about. The background. Bags. Let me let me tell it. God damn, there's bags, um, and they those bags are attached to some rather overweight women, and they're dancing and, with like scarves and shit. And elderly too, and they're like fully nude oh, yeah. and just out oh, yeah. there. Yeah, it's full bags. They're I mean. not like shooting them at like flattering angles either. <laughs> no, we got it's we just, got the three B's showing. Yeah, they're they're dancing and bouncing and all that stuff. <laughs> in, and it lasts for a while in, in slow mo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very explicit. I guess they. Th- if they get you through this part of the movie, you're going to be around for the long haul. <laughs> I, uh, basically, we find out that this is Amy Adams. Um, her character name is Susan. This is her job, I guess. She's like an art curator, museum curator or something. And yeah. on the surface, she has like a really cool job, a really cool house, a really handsome husband. Seems but, super pretentious. Yeah, but in this first act, we... We kind of learn everything about her. Like, she's depressed. She takes pills to sleep at night. Her husband is definitely cheating on her, and his business is failing, so they have, like, money problems. Um, this all happens before we even see Jake Gyllenhaal, and you kind of realize that Amy Adams, or Amy Adams is, like, the main character in this movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. the main subject of it for sure. Since she's a woman, you can't go ahead and just call her main character or what? She's definitely the main character at that point. Sexist? I'm just saying, like, the subject matter of everything encompasses her. It's a big middle finger to her. She's the the main character, but a lot of this movie is not, like, doesn't contain her in the frame. Exactly. As a saying subject, that's all. Man, really defensive, Stevie. Sorry. I know. I'm sorry. Just got a lot going on at work. Do you want to hear my daily struggles? <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot going on at work, too. Let's just all talk about I, jobs. I, mean, I feel like that's what this movie portrays, right? Like, people with um, nice-looking lives could have trouble, like Stevie's. Like, Stevie's, what kind of troubles you got, buddy? Oh, man. I don't know. I've, tried to grow a, try, I've been trying to grow this beard. You know, it's been staring at me funny. Like, I, I thought it would bring me, like, this, if, like, people think of me as more of, like, an authority. But mostly oh, it's no. just confused looks going, like, when are you shaving that? <laughs> <laughs> that thing. So at the end of this act, though, kind of the whole impetus for the whole plot is uh, Susan gets a book from Edward. And Edward is Jake Gyllenhaal. And that is her former husband and lover. And he wrote, he sent her a book and... um he dedicated it to her. So like the first page she opens, it's like to Susan and 
the first time you guys watched this movie, what was going through your head at kind of like thinking about what the plot might be when you thought when you saw this dedication, I guess? Uh, I thought it was going to be kind of like mainly about their relationship, like more realistic. I mean, I wouldn't say like, I mean, this the whole book part is definitely like a, I guess you could say loose. Uh, how would I say this? Um, loosely based on them, I thought it was be more directly just about their entire relationship and what they went through. More symbolic. Not so much like the side characters. Yeah, that's just a symbolic story. I feel like they're already setting up at this point in the movie that at the end you're kind of expecting them to get together and mm-hmm. have this moment of realization like, hey, we still love each other. Yep. And somehow she didn't even say a word at this point. She just kind of rubbed her finger along the book. But I felt like I don't know. Amy Adams is a pretty good actress. Yeah. Uh, She can emote. And as Pappy pointed out (laughs) earlier to me today in a text thread, uh, she can really take off her glasses well in amazement. She gets (laughs) to a scary part of the the book. (laughs) I think she does that a lot in, uh, what's the alien movie from last year? Arrival. An Arrival, yeah. It's like kind of the same sort of emoting, I guess. A lot of <laughs> a lot of extreme sadness and like looks into the distance. Yeah. Um. There's a little bit more that happens with Susan as far as like ha- they have like a party at their house and she confides to a friend that like she's not very happy. Blah blah blah. But I feel like the main thrilling part of this movie finally happens when she really starts reading the book um, because we jump right into like a completely separate plot and. Yeah, like Stevie said, it like symbolizes their relationship, but this whole plot could be like a No Country for Old Men sort of definitely. It's a good call. crime drama movie on its own. Don't it's, you guys yeah, think? it's a good call. Classic West Texas, where the cops don't give a damn and no one ever stops. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that Josh <laughs> chose another western and blamed it on Drew Rockland. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we can mention Drew a ton throughout this podcast. <laughs> uh, so as she starts reading it, the story picks up with, and this is a really weird part for me, but it's Jake Gyllenhaal as a character, and he's driving his wife and daughter in a car in West Texas, and it's super deserty, super desolate. They make a point of saying, oh, cell phone service is out. The thing that really tripped me out here is I didn't know till after the movie that it's actually Isla Fisher, not Amy Adams. That was his wife really? in, within that movie. What? You couldn't tell that? I, Dude, I just assumed, and I guess I wasn't looking super closely at her face. I I, I don't know. Yeah, that's Borat's wife. I mean, they did that for a reason, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I recognized her, but I also knew she was in it. I loved the pick. Great, great casting call. Because, I mean, from what I read and just in my general observation is they probably get mistaken for each other quite often. I mean, they don't look that much alike, but they're both in their 40s. They're both redheads. Both. But why would Jake Gyllenhaal play himself, but Amy Adams not play herself? That's kind of what I don't get. It's someone to symbolize Susan. And so Susan realizes that he's talking about her. Yeah, he doesn't have to say Susan, but it's like... He probably just... Obviously, this is supposed to be you. very early on it's her. He probably just described her in the book as redhead, you know, fair-skinned, smoking hot, you know, just stuff like that. 
Except instead of being Susan, her name is Boozin. <laughs> no, sorry, it's Laura. Her name's Laura. <laughs> so it would have been slanderous maybe to just call out his former wife, but he could play himself. I, I guess I see that. I feel like also maybe they just wanted another star for the cast, which is fine. I think um, it's a great also, pick. he says in the movie, like, people only write about themselves. Yeah. Mm, good call. Yeah. Yeah. Even though this the actual events never happened. So he's playing a fictional self and I my my argument is that his his Susan could have played her fictional self too. I, no, it I'm would have you. been a cheaper way to make the I'm movie with you. is all I'm saying. I kept thinking the whole time I'm like trying to wait to see if this actually happened to Andrew in his life, like if the timing matched up. But obviously it didn't, but I also don't think Laura was Susan. If you look at it deeply, uh, Susan was Ray. What? Yeah. Ray. I think I think we gotta build to that, Stevie. Oof. Let's yeah. build to that. That's just my thoughts on it. <clears throat> um, so they're right they're driving in this car and this team of three West Texas Hilljacks just starts kind of like going nuts on them on the road and eventually kind of knocks him over and Jake Gyllenhaal's tire goes flat. Oh, man, that, that's... The next part is probably the most like tense oh, part yeah, of the movie. That's... Brett, describe what happens once they get pulled over by this group. Uh, I mean, Aaron Taylor Johnson, who's the main guy, what is he, uh, Ray, he, I mean, he just kind of goes back and forth from being like nice to unhinged back and forth. I thought he was like super awesome and as I described to some people, so he made good. my skin crawl like so yeah. bad. He's I thought he was I really read that good. he drank and smoked a ton during the filming of this as sort of like his method acting because he wanted to be toxic from the inside out. <laughs> I fucking hate <laughs> method acting so much. He was good. But that's, leave but it that's that. so cool. Well, he didn't, but it's so cool. I read that he didn't think he was right for the role, and like they had to convince him that he was. I did, he's like your guys' age. It's so crazy to me. Your guys, the young guys. Yeah, he's a really good actor. Yeah, I like him a lot. He's really good in it. He's creepy, and then there's the dude. Um, he the neck, the There's one dude that like barely talks, and he kind of gets gets killed early in the movie but then there's a second dude and he's the one that after well jordan how how do they actually get yeah, away i kind of like didn't answer your original question but go ahead jordan i mean there's a whole like hubbub about who's going to change the tire and like opening the trunk and eventually like everyone gets out of the car which is a very silly move i think um but eventually the girl and the mom get back into the car and like t- try to tell um Tony, like Jake Gyllenhaal's character, like come back and let's fucking get out of here. And the other guys jump in the car and drive away, leaving one crazy guy with Jake Gyllenhaal in a car. Yeah, mm-hmm. this movie did not go the way. I don't want to jump ahead, so I'll, I'll wait. But it's not what I was I, fine, Brett. I expected this to be a. They're kidnapped. He hooks up with Michael Shannon, and they hunt these people down and save their family. So I was like. Pretty shocked. Oh Christ! When I saw that, how quickly your hopes saw that were red dashed. Couch out there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one of the guys takes Jake Gyllenhaal by himself and drives him like way out. And basically, just leaves him there, kind of stupidly, because I think they're probably all like messed yeah. up on stuff. And then the other guy brings him back. 
because he's like, hey, we got to go finish that guy off, presumably. And he hides, and they don't get to him. But in the meantime, they have killed Isla Fisher and their daughter, India, who's played by Ellie Bamber. Um, and they're like on... It's not very realistic that there's like a nice couch out in the open in West Texas, but it was cinematic and kind of shocking to see his wife and kid dead in this pretty emotional part to the movie, even though you know it's like a book within oh, yeah. the movie. It's super fucked up. Yeah, that was messed up. Is that it, was. Is this what you had bad dreams about, Jordan? Uh, I mean, it was all this. The, the part where they're like fucking with them when they're in the car and like have a flat tires absolutely terrifying yeah, it was, to me that, that, was bad. that like shook me to the bone I'm not really it sure why pretty realistic honestly yeah and like there's like, the part there where the like nothing outlandish in that scene yeah well the, the only thing like, that I thought was weird spot to be in yeah and like the one part that was weird was that the cop like flew by and I think that that was weird but maybe just that the cop knows that like there are fucking crazy people out here and like Sorry about you if you get pulled off the road, but <laughs> I'm getting the fuck out because there's no cell phone service and there's probably no like radio service in there either. I, I don't I don't know. That was only I got the thing, feeling but, yeah. that the cop flew by just because they were on a call. Me too. One hundred percent. Oh, no, I mean, that could. Be Plus, weird. the guy who was getting harassed earlier could have called um, once he got into better cell service. So, I mean, maybe they had heard about those guys. Fair enough. So I watched this movie, the first half, much like Jordan did, and then had nightmares, but the next day... You think they had to do with the actual story, and wasn't just a hint at their actual relationship in real life? What? What? In, what? Like, because this movie's very symbolic of their actual relationship. Do you think that car, like that cop car flying by, was more, had more to do with their relationship in real life than it did in the book? Probably. I think way. a lot of that stuff was like... There's that little stuff, especially with that red couch, too. Like, that probably has something to do with their life. It did. That's like the... We're talking about it. We're jumping ahead, so I I could stop. That's actually a really good point, Stevie. I think, now that I think about it, that couch, was that maybe the couch that they were sitting on when um, they had that whole discussion about... Is it? Yeah, she... That's uh, uh, one of the... From what I read, one of the two big symbolic parts of the movies. Like, when... It's kind of like the beginning of the end of their marriage when he writes to her and she f- just keeps like he like she kind of like finally broke his spirit with that story and that's when S- Stevie brought up you know I always write about myself and yeah it's definitely symbolic to that part like definitely the quote from that scene that really sticks out to me is when she says like is this it and she kind of puts her hands out and like she's not happy with their small apartment or something yeah, that was mm-hmm. that was that was dirty, oh, man. Yeah. Okay. So, I, yeah, thank you for bringing that up, Stevie. And what I was saying a minute ago was that my family, right after I saw this movie, the very next day, we like our transmission went out, and in the middle of nowhere, we had to like wait. Oh no! That's yeah, we had to wait man. like thirty minutes, just like out by ourselves. And at one point, a trucker came up and offered to help, and he was oh, actually no. super nice. But at least it was daytime, and like, <laughs> I don't know, like, having seen that movie and then that situation happening was crazy, but I, I said that to you guys on the thread, and not a single person responded. I, think I you guys seen just, it I didn't know you'd seen the movie I hadn't yet. Seen it yet. I didn't uh. see that in the thread. Someone else was like, oh, Alex Jones, blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> Alex Cooper? <laughs> Yeah, probably Alex Cooper. Yeah, that's a little more. It makes a little more sense. 
Dude, when we get all the transcripts for our spoilers episodes and put them online, he's going to come up in so many Google searches for us. It's going to be half of the results. Sandow, the Magnificent. Oh my gosh. Okay, so that terrifying scene happens and Michael Shannon enters the movie at this point too because Jake Gyllenhaal eventually does get to the police. And What were you guys' first impressions about um, him and his motivations in this movie. Michael Shannon? Yeah. Can I bring up a scene that I thought was really cool when you first meet him? Not cool, yeah, sure. but not cool, but like Michael Shannon seems, you know, he's kind of like a rough, but seem like he probably has somewhat of a decent heart and like he's really trying to be polite, but you can hear in his voice the uh, condemnation for Jake Gyllenhaal about, you know, and these guys didn't have guns. Oh, and you didn't do anything. You know, kind of like almost. And like, yeah, how did you let one unarmed guy drive right. you out into the and country? He, yeah, exactly. Like, and it keeps going. Like he's, you know, he's maybe not super trying to be mean, but it's kind of natural for him. Maybe like it's a Texas thing. You know, he probably couldn't fathom not putting up a fight, but he's like kind of doing it in a polite as polite a possible way as he can. I, I don't know. I kind of thought that was really well done. And Michael Shannon's awesome at everything. So, so do you think? Do you think there he's like calling him out for being like a pussy, do. or do you do. think that he thinks he did it and is trying to like make up the story? I don't. I don't. Because I, th- that, I thought at first he he thought that Jake Gyllenhaal did it. So yeah, rule of thumb. Look at the husband. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, it's good police work. So I guess that's out. But. I, I don't know. I, I'd see it as both sides of that, actually, because he has to do his due diligence and he's following yeah. through. But I think he's a smart enough guy to realize when he sees like a broken man in yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal and he has to ask those hard questions. Yeah, and I, I, think, can see, I can see that, too. You're right. I, but I, I still think the overwhelming thing was him kind of silently, politely judging him, trying to be... You know, had t- uh, treat him with kid kid gloves, but still, the West Texas in him probably was just like, for real, you did that, you didn't fight back. So that's just my. Take. And also, I feel like there's a cop cliche where middle of nowhere cops are gonna be bad, and maybe stand up for the locals and not like out of towners. So I feel like I got that vibe from him at first, mm-hmm. like, oh, this for is gonna sure. be like that, and that's kind of a cool subversion uh, as the movie went on, because. Michael Shannon was like super cool, actually. Yeah. So he he gets to the cops, and I think somewhere around here, like, cuts back to Susan, and she like whips off her reading glasses for the third, <laughs> third or fourth time. Um, do you guys remember some of these moments where she like kind of snaps out of it? Were any of them memorable to you? There's like five or six where she gets to a point and like kind of snaps back to her gray reality. The first time they get in the car, like when the hillbillies get in the car with the daughters, she snaps out and then kind of like snaps back in. But it's a little farther in the story, like five seconds farther in the story than we got, if that makes any sense to anybody. Yeah. I think the part that sticks out most to me is I forget when in the story she kind of pops out, but it's a little bit longer of like an interlude in her story. And she's like, she goes to work. And she's like working with her friend, and she like borrows, oh. like her 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 coworker is trying to show her like a 
a video of her daughter like in her crib or whatever it's and a like, spy, like a spy cam type thing. yeah yeah it's nanny like a nanny cam, cam or whatever that, creep, that creeped me out i was a jump scare and, and like the the ray i think ray is the one with the long hair and he like pops up on the screen and like a mm-hmm. uh like a scary movie like jump scare type of thing mm-hmm. and it's like super fucking creepy that's the one that yeah. po- like that sticks out the most to me i forget where exactly in the story that is but that's like one of the like like i said like interludes i guess yeah stevie you've been liking to get real deep into this movie how, how is that explained do you think like why is that happening what if she's cutting in and out no why is she why is she seeing a person from Jake Gyllenhaal's book in a nanny cam. Um, what's the symbology? What's the symbology? Quite here? frankly, I don't know. I don't know if it was for cheap thrill or for the fact that all she could think about was that book and Edward. I think I've been thinking about this question a lot because I thought it was a weaker part of the movie, just maybe done for a three cheap thrill, like you're saying, but. Maybe it's kind of like this is part of Jake Gyllenhaal's revenge, and like he's kind of putting these demons in her life. Mm-hmm. That might be a stretch, but that's possible. She has a couple other daydreams where she like sees the rape happen, and there's something else too. I think that's what Stevie wanted to talk about anyway. So <laughs> she she didn't see the rape though, did she? I thought it was Jake Gyllenhaal when she sees uh when he sees um. Turk, that pops in his head. That's when he goes. That's him. Maybe not though. Maybe, yeah. maybe it's twice. Maybe. Great. I think it's bothering her too. That slowly but surely she's realizing that like He's this story was mirroring her previous life, and it's starting to freak her out. And it's all she can think about. She's a very self-absorbed human being. She is, and it's probably more violent and just crazy than she would have ever thought it could be yeah um and i think that one thing that you have to do in this movie is you have to like i guess just accept that the book is really well written you know what i mean because we don't get to read it and it's right. really well done in the movie and i think at one point she says like hey it's awesome but i think jake Jalen hall like writing a really good book is like kind of part of the plot too yeah i agree that sounds good I think there are parts that it kind of isn't very good though and they kind of stick out as like those are the parts where it kind of she jumps back to this isn't really interesting like I find myself fading off a little bit like it's not I don't think it's a perfect book um there's a part where some of the reactions are just like very intense and they like don't really fit and I to be honest I find myself drifting off in those parts of the movie as well but then it snaps back to like a uh like a memory of her fighting with Jake Gyllenhaal in their, like in their real life when they were married or whatever, and them kind of like fighting and stuff. And it it seems like she's also going to back to like, oh, like his writing isn't always the best. Um, he gets self-absorbed sometimes, and like needs to step away from it. Um, but most of the book, I think, is well written. I don't know. That's one of the things I was a little confused about coming out. Like, what is her interpretation versus the actual book? That sort of thing. Well, I think for his perfect revenge to be complete, he has to write a book that really impresses her. So I think if she's dozing off during the plot, which I didn't, I didn't catch that, but if she's doing that, then I don't think he's succeeded completely. And maybe he doesn't need to complete 
complete his task in every single way. But the next part of the movie is with Jake Gyllenhaal. And this is kind of that revenge arc that I think, Brett, you're talking about. You thought this movie was going to be. So just kind of like after the fact. For sure. Are you asking me a question? (laughs) (laughs) No, but I feel like we can just talk. (laughs) Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah, it's not exactly what I wanted. Like, I wanted them to get put in prison. I don't know why. That's maybe just a whatever. But that became pretty obvious early on that that wasn't going to happen. And then when they took the Lou out of jail, I was like, well, they just lost that case. So, you know. Yeah, this isn't my cousin Vinny, though. Um, Stevie, did you like this plot with... Did you like this plot uh, in the middle of the movie where they kind of get the guys one by one? Um, can you recall that yeah. for our listeners at home? I mean, the whole point of these two guys is uh, Lou and Ray is they're pretty much playing like a serious game of denial and not showing any emotion about anything. And I do like that scene where Michael Shannon gets Lou by himself in the holding cell and Lou won't even look at him in the eyes because it's more of fear and also... He's remembering, and he's also lying, like, I had nothing to do with this, but he definitely knows. Terrifying. Yeah. I think Ray kind of... is a really good actor. Yes, he is. <laughs> like, Ray cracks a little bit the first time they're trying to get him. Yeah. Like, at the very, very end, he smirks a little bit, but, like, he had kept a pretty nice facade up the whole time, but at the very, very end, when they, like, kind of zooming in towards his face, he, he smirks and then, like, ends, and they're like, yeah, we're going to let him go. I think it was right. kind of a little bit of a cheap trick, but maybe kind of cool writing in that like Jake Gyllenhaal actually looked different without like a beard or something when he went back to West Texas. So it was actually believable that the guys in whatever blurry state they were in that night, like actually didn't recognize this guy like at first, but then like I felt like they were actually all really good actors and you could, um, with Lou and Ray, you could, I feel like feel the moment where it like sunk in, even though they're still playing the deny game like as hard as they yeah. could. They they fucking know, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, like Lou, I didn't really think about it until you just said that, but I think he was kind of like really underrated in this movie. He was like the quiet, psycho, like almost polite, but not polite, but like in the car, and he's yeah, and then he's more the douchey, the quiet one, and Ray was the you know. Textbook psychotic person. Ringleader of the bunch. Yeah. Do you guys remember a line, uh, a, maybe a little bit of levity in a pretty dark scene where he's like, he has Jake Gyllenhaal and they're like riding out and they pass the car and he's like, oh, I guess he hasn't killed him yet. And Jake Gyllenhaal Oof. is like, what are you talking about killing? Yeah, that was cr- and the guy goes, levity, I, I, I mean, I said that he didn't kill him. I mean, if you fucking listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, that's <was, laughs> pretty funny. <laughs> Like, if you weren't so mortified, that would be, like, a little <laughs> snicker moment. <laughs> so, anyway. Yeah, that's funny. That middle scene kind of coalesces into they approach Ray's house. And Ray's, like, t- <laughs> taking up <a> outside poop. <laughs> Talking on the phone. <laughs> he has a pretty hilarious He's reaction. such white trash. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, finish up what you're doing. Let's go. You mind turning around? Believe me, I wish I could, but don't believe me. 
Since he was method acting with his drinking and smoking, I gotta believe that's, that's his real poop on the <laughs> toilet paper. Real juice? <laughs> oh, that was gross. And Shannon's like, that's enough. <laughs> he wiped enough. Were you guys scared at that point that he's gonna like pull a gun out of the toilet? No. Actually? He didn't seem like a gun type of person. Stand up. <laughs> I was too. I was waiting. I was like, please don't. But there's no dong hung in this movie. No, no Vigo dong. Nope. Unluckily. There's a little bit of dong in one of the pictures when they're eating dinner at the party in the background. It's like a sculpture dong. (laughs) Sculpture dong counts now. (laughs) Vigo sculpture dong. Eagle eye Brett watching out for those background dongs. No, it was it was really obvious. It was a dark backdrop and this big like silver. It's probably just nuts though, so never mind. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> At one point, Susan wakes up from all this, and she calls her real-life daughter. Um, and this scene kind of, like, her daughter is naked and seen from behind. So this is Stevie, maybe symbolic, symbolically, the daughter that Jake Gyllenhaal never got to have, right? That's pretty clear. Yeah. She's in the exact same pose as the daughter on the couch, too. Yep. Yeah. She's also way too old for Army Hammer to have. Yeah, what the fuck is that? That's that was a really confusing moment for me at the end when like the abortion thing came clear. Well, like Brittany like, had me kind of convinced that that, that, uh, that it was a, like an accidental, like the abortion, like didn't work. Like she didn't say that, but I was like, oh, maybe, maybe that's Andrew's and Susan's kid, and that's why he's so mad at her because he found out that. Thank you. What? Thanks, Andrew? thanks, Brittany. It's Edward. Edward, Edward, Edward. <laughs> you heard her? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they said thank you. Edward. Andrew. A- Edward? Yeah. Sorry. Had they not said in the beginning, though, that it had been like a 20-year gap since she's seen Edward? 19 years, she said, since she talked to him. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, they this happened like last year. Oh, yeah. Like, I, there wasn't that huge, like, like a drop-off or anything that would tell me that they hadn't seen each other in forever. And there's yeah. there's not much there between Army, Army Hammer and Amy Adams that makes you think like oh they've been together a long time either like it could have been like you said like it could have been yesterday they could yeah, have been brother and sister for all we knew if they wouldn't have said they were lovers honestly true yeah but obviously they've been together for that long because she said you remember him because you know yeah. they cheated on each other yeah um, yeah he was a douche in that movie yeah he's kind of the one that broke them up. Um, I mean, if you're going to blame anyone besides Susan, which is completely Susan's fault. But, yeah, um, for sure. So at, at that point in the movie, she sends an email to Edward, to Jake Gyllenhaal, saying like, oh, your book is awesome so far, and we should meet sometime. And he just sends back a message pretty quick that's like, name the time and the place. And you're again thinking like, oh, it'll be rekindled, and it'll be warm and huggy. It ain't. Um, nah. So back to like the main story, I guess. Uh, Tony gets called into like to the jailhouse, and this is where Michael Shannon like tells him in detail like exactly everything that happened to his wife and daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, another brilliant Michael Shannon scene is he delivers it like I think like Brett covered pretty well earlier, just like in a stern way, but trying to be a nice guy as much as possible. 
Yeah, as much as he's capable of yeah. at that time or in that job. We just jumped back, though, didn't we? Big time? No. I mean, this movie does a lot of jumping around, but... Yeah, I think we're actually doing pretty well here, Brett. Um, <laughs> I, dis- I disagree, but that's all right. <clears throat> you just we we went to meeting Ray, him taking a dump, to you going back to when he met Michael Shannon for the first time. Don't tear down the house of cards around us, Brett. I space he did. It's a fragile house, but a house nonetheless. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. Go ahead. You want to talk about the beginning of the movie again? No, I think maybe you Ooh. should take the the rest of the pod over, Brett. You're doing such a good no, I don't job. Like, I don't like hosting, remember? Yeah, because you suck at it. Anyway. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> Tony. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> uh, wow, thanks a lot, Brett. Really derailed me. Yeah, thank you. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, you're welcome. We're talking about awesome... the crap part because like we're finishing a segment, but it doesn't mean like we have to jump from there in the movie other stuff happens that we're rewinding to just for everyone's clarification including brett there's like some more stuff that happens <laughs> in susan's real life that i don't really think we'd like need to get into too much but it's more of those like flashbacks of her talking to her like meeting jake Hall for the first time we never talked about that one specifically um they talk about how um susan has a gay brother who is also in love Jake Gyllenhaal. I totally forgot about it until you mentioned it just now. She seemed to come from a very wealthy, staunch family. So staunch. And those are the two other... Super staunch. Those are the two other flashbacks I wanted to hit on in particular with her. She she meets with her mom in a restaurant, and she's being romantic, Susan, at that time, like basically fighting against everything her mom is saying. Um, Right. Why do you guys think she flips so fast? Like... Just because she's a bad person? Is that like the point of the movie? What do you mean by flipped? She goes from telling her mom she doesn't care about things and materials to, you know, a couple scenes later saying, is this it? Well, I think it was her parents cut her off. And I think it was the realization of like trying to be supported by Edward and not having her parents' money really freaked her out. You and I are a lot more alike than you think. You're wrong. You and I are nothing alike. Really? Just wait. We all eventually turn into our mothers. So she is a bad person? (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. She's a terrible human being. (laughs) And plus, I really think she just hated her mom and wanted to give her a bunch of answers she didn't want to hear. Yeah, I think that's. I think there's a lot of bad blood there. It's a weird layer in the story that, like, they, yeah. like, the mom says, like, we all end up like <laughs> our parents, or we all end up like our mothers, or whatever, and, mm-hmm. and then like at at one point, Jake Gyllenhaal says, like, you're acting like your mother as well, and like she definitely does kind of turn into that character. She tries to make a turn to the best at the end, but gets stood the fuck up. Good riddance. <laughs> And then I think what happens very next in the movie is where she's kind of like just tearing Jake down about the book that he's writing, even so far as to say like the genre he's writing in isn't good for him. Uh, that's pretty rough. Brett, has your wife ever just torn you down like this? Did you have anything to relate to there? Uh, only thing I know for sure is that I'm a terrible host. Other than that, um, what, was, what was the question? 
<laughs> Stevie, has my wife ever Jesus tore me Christ. down? No, she has not tore me down. Stevie, have you ever had a, like just a real difficult moment where like, because I think maybe what Susan was saying was somewhat truthful probably at the time, but she wasn't being very supportive. My point is to you married guys, like it hurts when the person you love and I, I sorry, this can go for you too, Jordan, but like the person you love, like just doesn't get what you're doing or tears you down about it. I, th- I thought this was oh, a pretty sure. relatable scene. That's just normal though. You gotta be supportive <laughs> though. If, I don't know. Maybe she had done that like a hundred times and was finally just like, dude, you're not any good. <laughs> yeah, I think. Or, or, or you need to get better, or you need to like get out of your comfort zone. Because writing was a very therapeutic thing for Edward, and it took him to places where he liked to be. And Susan saw none of that and was just like, "This is terrible." Plus, I think she picked like the worst time to possibly like give him her honest criticism. Right. Like he was just really down on himself, and he, like you said, he'd been working all night. And he was really tired. Yeah, and he thought it was good, and she was like, "Yeah, this isn't any good." And as a creative person, like, there's a giant fear to like putting yourself out there and having the person you're closest with just tear it down. Yeah, like that has to be a very crummy feeling. Yeah, I am a video producer, so I bring home a, like a new feature every couple of weeks and show it to my wife. And I feel like we can only get in a fight about a fourth of the time. but we're still together Um, we made it past grad school so that's good Um, (laughs) and then after that like Susan you see her at her work and this is where they have like the big black revenge sign she's kind of like oh where'd this come from if you read online people theorize like oh like Jake Gyllenhaal like got that in her art studio somehow or something I was making I was going on a rant about how terrible most art was at the time so <laughs> I was like that pig or the bull the cow with the arrows I was like that's that's so crappy and then like they start walking <laughs> on the on the stairs and I'm like see that I was like that's art and then I saw the revenge thing I go even that's art but that cow with the arrows in it is not so that's what I was going through at that time I think the scenes with her like with her coworkers and her friend there are they just like reinforced to me how how like pretentious Susan is and like she's caught up in this whole world and I, I read like a, a couple of reviews about this and how like she collects art but she's not an artist herself and maybe doesn't understand any of that and so I, I thought that was like an interesting point that like she well, he says that to her like when they kind of get in the fight on that red couch. Yeah. That's a big point of what he always tries to drive home to her and what she rejected in her own life was that, like, hey, you could have been a great artist, but you, like, reject and underestimate yourself. Yeah, you yeah. don't, like, try to be creative and stuff. And so I I think these scenes, like, these flashbacks or interludes from the story are very much like, oh, she's kind of a pretentious jackass a little bit. But wouldn't you, wouldn't you say she was, like, less pretentious than all of her other people in that room i mean she talks down pretty heavily to like her assistant that's in the room or yeah that was pretty bad that was kind of like yeah that was kind of the first time i realized man she's she's just not very nice i think you're on to something though brett because those other people come off as pretentious too and she's like Mm -hmm. in their world like an equal with them so i think she's 
that's basically what her level is is what they're kind of trying to say like yeah she's in that class that's like that and yeah I think she's one of the same yeah I think it's pretty much after that that we see the breakup scene someone mentioned it in the rain and he says like you don't give up something was that you Brett that said that you don't give up on something when someone loves you and no yes I love you but when you love someone you work it out you don't just throw it away you have to be careful with it. You might never get it again. I can't do this with you anymore, Edward. I just can't keep doing this. We, in here somewhere, they say actually the name of the movie, like Edward had always called Susan a nocturnal animal because she stays up late, which seemed like mm. a weird reference. But let's get back into the Western scene because this is where... Um, Michael Shannon tells Jake Gyllenhaal that like they have to let Ray go and he's basically like hey if you want to talk more about this and about justice meet me at this diner uh Jordan can you lay out what happens as they are eating here and Michael Shannon like (laughs) yeah (laughs) that made me laugh that seems funny at the diner yeah like Michael Shannon's basically like how far outside the law are you willing to go what are we going to do? It's a question of how serious you are about seeing justice done. You get me? <laughs> <laughs> kind of like wink, wink, except definitely actually winking in real life. <laughs> um, and somehow at first, Jake Gyllenhaal doesn't really get it and finally gets like begins to catch on, I think. And he's like, yes, I want all that. And so they go on a no country for old men rampage to fucking nail these motherfuckers. Well, it doesn't. Well, let's, let's cover. Jill that Hall because, doesn't really have the stomach for it. We find out, but yeah, exactly. So they catch Ray asleep, and they like take him into the car at gunpoint, and then they like bring <laughs> Lou in, and. Michael Shannon, like, at some point admits that he's, like, super sick and gonna die soon. So this is part of the reason he's, like, all kamikaze. But he has to, like, literally go puke. And he gives the gun to Jake Gyllenhaal. And Stevie, was this a difficult part of the movie for you? What, when he can't shoot him? Yeah, there are two there, and you know it's gonna mm-hmm. be all about, like, is he does he have the guts or not? It's the worst. Especially when... Ray is just like, nah, he's not going to do it. (laughs) He just looks at him. He's like, nope, not this guy. (laughs) Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, like this is not many people would get a chance to be pointing a gun at their wife and daughter's killers in like a house in the middle of West Texas. And like he's basically. If you want to call it a house. He's really given (laughs) license by Michael Shannon here to just blow them both away. I mean, can we all agree to that? Yeah. Yeah. He can do whatever he wants at this point. And I think this is a big part of the movie because, and possibly the book, because it's not all about just like, Susan's awful, Susan's awful. I think it's also about like, I am a weak man. (laughs) Honestly, like over and over again, he's weak. Like the whole carjacking situation and then, you know, kind of just sitting in the hotel room and crying and then being put in this place by Michael Shannon and then letting these guys like escape out of this room again after all that is like he really just can't pull the trigger literally so Lou and Ray 
literally just kind of duck and trot out of the room. And <laughs> Jordan, does this kind of remind you of Fortnite when like you haven't picked up a weapon yet? And <laughs> <laughs> well, no one has pickaxes in this situation, so no. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so <laughs> the movie cuts back to that point at another another cutscene, and we're almost done with cutscenes because this is like kind of the cherry on top, but it shows Susan with her uh, handsome new husband, like in the parking lot of an abortion clinic. Not husband yet. And who shows, who shows up, Brett? Uh, And Edward. Edward. (laughs) Edward. (laughs) Was that weird to you guys? Like it's tragic that they'd be in an abortion clinic, but, Plus, the Jake Gyllenhaal, like, usually takes his walk home past the abortion clinic or something. Like, he had to get a serious flu from that. He was just standing out there. <laughs> no umbrella, nothing. What was he doing out there? Uh, I think he definitely tracked Susan down or at least watching her. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, or, that's, yeah, that's my guess. So this scene comes mercifully to an end, and we go back <laughs> to hand. Christ. Uh, yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal chase like he chases him out and he doesn't shoot, but Michael Shannon shoots Lou like in the ribs. Yeah, right away. And then Lou's begs for his life for about six seconds before Michael Shannon finishes him off close range. Um, <laughs> at this point, Michael Shannon pulls probably a huge blunder. He gives Jake Gyllenhaal a gun again and splits up with him again. Yeah, I hated that. And. Uh, I mean, it had to happen for the book, obviously, but uh, where where does he go from there, Jordan, after they split up? This is a pretty so, important scene. We should play this out. Wait, like we're going to play video or uh, audio of it, or you want me to explain it? Yeah, explain it, please. So he f- he drives, and they, ki- they split up and kind of coordinate where they're both going to go. He drives to the... Uh, Rape factory. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> Christ, the uh, like trailer, like the yeah, the the trailer where they think that shanty, the shanty, where uh, the wife and daughter were raped and killed, and he he like sneaks in the door, and how the fuck is Lou asleep at this point? Or sorry, Ray, how is Ray, Ray. asleep at this point? But he like oh. awakes from a slumber. And basically starts talking shit right away. He's practiced. I don't know. He's learned. The technique of insta naps. <laughs> what? <laughs> Stevie, if a scene was going to hold a lot of symbolism, it probably would be this scene, right? Yeah, because I definitely think that the detective that Michael Shannon played was the deepest part of Jake Gyllenhaal's soul that was constantly arguing with him as if he should kill these people or not. Eventually, like, the weakest part of Jake Gyllenhaal won out. And, uh, this is where we end up at the very end of the movie, which I think Ray is Susan. Well, let's explain the rest of this, because Ray approaches him, and he's, like, doing all his, like, smooth talking, but in the meantime, he grabs... He pretty much says, I remember your wife, I remember your daughter. And he, he didn't pretty much say it. He said everything. Yeah, that was terrible. Yeah. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, he explained it all out, and he grabs, like, a fire iron, like a poke 
poker thing. Yeah, fire poker. And he just gets closer and closer to Edward. And Edward finally starts, like, I think he hits him, like, twice. But not before. He just gets smacked in the skull. Uh, yeah, did he lose his eyeball? Did he lose his eyeball? How the, yes. how, the, how the fuck does the guy get shot twice in the chest and is still able to, like, full-armed... Adrenaline, Jordan. Adrenaline. Jack him up with that. Adrenaline. I didn't think that was that bad, especially when he woke up from being unconscious and found Ray dead on the floor, like he did bleed out. But I didn't think it was bad either. I thought that was within the realm of possibility. Yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal then just goes out into the field. He like test fires into the sky. At first, you're thinking maybe he's trying to signal Michael Shannon. Point break. No. (laughs) <laughs> Point break. No, uh, but he's just yeah. like testing, <laughs> testing around, and then he like lays down on the ground and sudoku's himself or whatever that word is, shoots himself in the stomach, um, and Wait, he dies. Are you saying that's the field purposeful? Oh, is it I, purposeful? I, I didn't know he shot himself. I must have missed that. I thought Stevie? he just fell on the gun and he kind of like shoots himself almost on accident because he's blind and tripping yeah. over shit. Does he shoot himself on purpose? I didn't think it purpose? was on purpose. No? Okay. I, I didn't think he shot himself on purpose. I could be wrong, though. No way. He lost everything he loved, and now he's, like, beaten to a bloody pulp in the middle of West Texas. His revenge arc is done. I Wait, so you done, think he, he fell and shot himself in the stomach on purpose? The stomach? He was exhausted, fell down to the ground, and just shot himself in the midsection, dog. In the belly. That's... That's not how you go, man. <laughs> He's already like half dead. I don't even think he could see when he was outside. He was blind. He wasn't dead. That's <laughs> very different. He had a car. He could have. Well, he was blind. He couldn't drive. I don't know. So the here- the script says there's a loud gunshot. He has shot himself in the stomach. Succumbing to his brain hemorrhage and dies after falling on his gun falling on his gun, shooting himself in the abdomen in the process. Succumbing to his brain image. I don't know. I thought he killed himself on purpose. Um, this sounds like the work of accident, Josh. Agreed. Yeah. This sounds like a NASCAR weekend accident. Susan killed him. <laughs> well, we'll get back to this in a second. So it cut, It does cut back to Susan, and she's pretty emotional about the end of this movie and like their breathing matches each other and that's maybe where part of where stevie gets at like um who's who in this book mm-hmm. in real life is maybe not what you think but she sends a email to jake and it's like hey let's meet up at this place and he's like you up, cool. <laughs> you up? <laughs> Suck, girl. she's like parents not home <laughs> So they go, or she goes to the restaurant, and you know, in movie time, kind of an absurdly long amount of time, waits for him there, and he doesn't show up, and the the whole movie kind of ends with kind of like a knowing but sad look on Amy Adams' face, and that is nocturnal animals. Stevie, let's get it. What's let's up? get it all out there now. I thought What's up? I thought that it is possible, and this is a theory online, that he does kill himself in the book, and possibly also he's not just standing her up at the restaurant, but he's also 
committed suicide in real life once his real life revenge is complete. Oh, Jesus. Oh, shoot. I didn't even think about that. I just thought it was a giant middle finger. I Before tonight, I actually had read the end of the script because I wanted to know. And it, it literally says the last line of the script is, the expression on her face belies her realization that Edward is not coming. And that really reminds me of Point Break, which we covered earlier, except instead of not coming, they always say, he's not coming back. <laughs> so maybe this is uh, Edward Jake Gyllenhaal's proverbial wave of the century. Like deuces? Maybe. Oh, man. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I, I like that though. It it's big dark. Big middle finger to like giving her hope of him showing, but nope. Not now. Not never. Not now. I guess that. I guess the director said the two outcomes he wanted the fans to be to think about ambiguously but that doesn't mean that what Josh said isn't true right it's definitely a possibility I like the idea better that he's grown wiser and awesomer in these last 20 years and just a great (laughs) writer and is like sipping whiskey and he's like fuck hoes make money and he's like (laughs) just like hanging out at home smoking a cigar while she's at this restaurant like disheveled that's what I'd like to think yeah. It's uh, a really dark ending you threw out there, Josh. No, no. The ending that I like is him smoking a cigar, laughing like Newman. <laughs> because his whole situation and plot is seriously like a Scott Tennerman or like George Costanza <laughs> plot to get Jeez. revenge on her. Like he writes an amazing book. Costanza. He writes an amazing book as revenge, dedicates it to her as revenge. And then when she reaches out, says it was a good work. He blows her off. And whether Go that's fuck by yourself. That kinda, yeah, <laughs> that kind of goes with the last line of trivia, but I mean, it's not like backed up by anything, but on IMDb, says supposedly Edward wrote his masterpiece in an attempt to make Susan love him again and then leave her just as she did 20 years ago. Ooh. See, I like that. That's... He, he, he nailed it. And luckily for him, he caught her at, like, a real shit point of her life. Like, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Her daughter was... Which I think he saw coming. Yeah. Yeah, she seemed to get pretty wise to that pretty early on that she wasn't waiting long before her face kind of started being like, oh, this sucks. Yeah, it was pretty early on that you noticed, like, when she was flashing back to memories with Jake, that she was like, mm-hmm. oh, those were, like, better times or something. This is a jump back here, but I love the part in the movie where it's, she's pretty obvious to Army Hammer is cheating on her. And, like, he was like, what floor is there? And he's like, 31. It's like, that's not your floor. And he's like, well, you know, he kind of stutters through that. And then when he was like, your floor, madam, she was just like, what was his name again? Scott? Hutton or something. Doucher. Yeah, it's Doucher name. (laughs) Army Hammer, whatever. She's like, yeah, Doucher, Doucher. And he just goes, "Eh, yeah, I got to go. Bye. (laughs) 
<laughs> his name is. His name is. What Hutton. a way to dodge that. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go. She is a smart woman. She knew what was going on. Like, yeah, definitely not the first time. I feel like we hit a lot of the symbology along the way. I don't know if we really need to go dig into it, but was there anything you guys missed before we hit yes or no's? I don't remember exactly where it was, but when I mentioned like two big forms of symbolism that I read about, one was the red couch and one was the green car. I don't remember if that's when she tells him that she's not in love with him or, or that she's unhappy or if it's the car they're in when he sees that she just had an abortion, but it's like the exact same car that the hillbillies driving. Yeah. Mm. The green, like it's like a green muscle car. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that so. whole like thread line, this movie kind of has a pretty pro-life message to it. Oh, jeez. Let's not. <laughs> Does it? Well, kind of ru- it eventually ruins her life. In the very, very end. I think she has done that herself. Yeah. <laughs> you did that to yourself, mate. But that's like the <laughs> ultimate revenge that she, that she said that he couldn't, she couldn't, uh, he would never forgive her for. So, and she's in love with him at the end and he literally never forgave her for that. So. See, that's why I think Susan's Ray. Because Ray killed his marriage and killed his daughter just like she did. I think Susan was the gun. Oh my god. Guns don't kill jo- people though. I'm joking. That's not in. Yeah. We're going to bring up all the hot topics, bro. Speaking of bro, there Jordan, give us your yes or no. Oh shit, me first. Uh This is going to be a very very flaccid no for me. Oh man. Um I I think we kind of have walked around a lot of the the symbolism and bullshit in this movie and I just don't really think it goes anywhere. There's the the first the first kind of quarter to maybe third of this movie is very good and very like tense and I think it kind of goes downhill from there. Um I it it's just hard for me to kind of grasp like why why a lot of the characters do what they do in this um and like i think that the the concept is good with her subtlety jordan yeah well me the master of subtlety the concept is is good master of Uh, nose (laughs) yeah yeah it's my explanation um with her like reading the book and going back and forth to real life and the book and all that but for me it kind of falls down towards the end and uh yeah wasn't a wasn't a huge fan by the end of the movie interesting uh brett go ahead i'll give this a solid yes it was amy adams second best movie of 2016 which is a good thing because she had a pretty big year so i didn't i wasn't wild about the ending i actually thought it was dumb but talking to you guys makes me Talking to you guys and reading some stuff on it makes me appreciate it a little more. I'm still not a big fan of it, but I liked it. I thought it was a good movie. I thought it was great acting. And as I said, it was super creepy and made my skin crawl, especially the first half. So, uh, solid yes for me. I thought this movie was honestly hard to watch at times. 
Mm-hmm. And that said, I've rarely been more emotionally gripped and tuned into a movie. Like, this is, I, I honestly think this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. Um, this is a huge rock hard mm. sculpture, Vigo Mortensen, mm-hmm. yes. A background boner, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no. This is for this is forefront. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think this is a honestly a classic. Um, I, we've gone over every like. I just love the symbolism. I thought Amy Adams was awesome, and she was even outdone by Jake Gyllenhaal, who was maybe even outdone by Michael Shannon. And even Brett said like Lou was. I thought he's spot on in this. Performances are awesome. And Tom Ford as a director, I think he only has like two movies. So really, like, I think he's they're both very, very good. Yeah, he's more like a fashion guy than like a director or something. But yeah, he was a former mm-hmm. fashion guy. I think this is a modern day masterpiece, and a lot of it with the Amy Adams side of the story is like really highfalutin and <laughs> like uh, out there. But I think that crust of society exists and if anyone would know about it, it'd be like Tom Ford to kind of show the dark side of it so five, I gave this five stars on Letterboxd. Pappy actually did two. Yep. I, don't, I know Mikey's seen this and he said he was basically traumatized by it but didn't give it a rating. Stevie He gave it four. He gave it four? Yep. <laughs> Stevie, I definitely did not forget about you. Finish this out here, yes or no? Thought you did there for a second I was like, oh shit. Uh, this is a like rock 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 hard yes for me I love this movie Um, this was in I think my top 5 or at least top 3 movies of 2016 Uh, I just I love Jake Gyllenhaal I love Amy Adams Michael Shannon is my favorite working actor at the moment right now Hmm. and it just as Josh said like the movie shakes you it keeps you on edge. Um, it's a fun tale to go through, like especially in the realms of the book and out of reality. And just, um, it almost leaves you tired at the end in a very good way. So I will, yeah, this movie's definitely a rock hard yes for me. For a movie that stuck with Jordan and even gave him nightmares, like for a movie to affect you that much emotionally and then to give it a no, I feel like it's just yeah. you being a little bit of kind of yeah. scared dude. You're just kind of scared. No, I I think there are scary parts, and I think that some of it is very gripping, but I don't really think the story, like the overall story of the movie doesn't really pay off for me, and it seems a little pretentious, kind of like Susan herself. (laughs) Oh, but like for that George Costanza stand-up at the end to pay off so perfectly. (laughs) (sighs) The ultimate revenge. Costanza! He will become a famous writer and write his masterpiece and then kill himself to stand up his <laughs> ex-wife. Is that the Costanza? I think that is the new Costanza. <laughs> and since we've mentioned Seinfeld twice, I think it's time that we get into trivia, if you guys are ready. So this game is going to be three strikes and you're out. But this game is called Nocturnal Animals. And... You have to name a nocturnal animal and not repeat when it comes to you. First to miss three times loses. Oh, God. Hands off the keyboards, hands off your Googlers, Jordan. 
Name your first nocturnal animal. Owl. Owl is correct. Stevie, you're up. Raccoon. Raccoon is most definitely a nocturnal animal. Brett. Possum. Nice. Possum. Nocturnal. Jordan. Jordan's in trouble. Fox. Fox. Is your first strike. Really? Fuck. Stevie. Coyote. Damn it. Coyote is a nocturnal animal. Brett. Wolf. Wolves are not nocturnal animals. And as we go back <laughs> as we go back to Jordan, I have to admit you get that strike back because a red-tailed fox is a nocturnal Ooh. animal. And you I got to I got to give you that one. So I don't right. have any strikes now. Yeah, you have no strikes. Woo. Uh my next answer is bat. <laughs> Bat is a nocturnal animal. Great guys. Stevie, you're up. Jordan's flying high all of a sudden. I'm not good at this. There's so many nocturnal so animals. So bad at I wish my my lady I wish Lauren was with me. She knows so much more. Um Dingo. Dingo mm-hmm. nocturnal. Wow. Are you kidding me? Brett, you're up. Holy shit. The dingo ate that baby, bitch. <laughs> no, they aborted that baby. Crickets? Whoa, oh! Whoa. Cricket is a nocturnal animal. Did Brittany tell you Ooh. that from the background? I feel like no. I heard her say something again. No, Brittany did I heard not it tell too. me that. You heard lying. Jordan, you're up. Lightning bug. <laughs> Lightning bug. Y'all are the worst. Hold on a second. I think that's on here. Lightning bug, no- oh, firefly. I will give you that. Yeah. Nocturnal. You got it, Jordan. <laughs> Stevie, you're up. God damn it. Oh, I'm so bad at this. Um, Panther. Nice. Panther is not nocturnal. What? So stupid. Brett. <laughs> Crocodile? He's really putting himself out there. No crocodile. Strike two for Brett. Yee. Jordan. Mm. <laughs> Fuck. Black bear? <laughs> That's a really good one. No black bear. That's Shite. your first strike. So are we all on one right now? No, Brett's on two. I have so two. Stevie, you're up. Uh, this is going on a limb here. Only because I've heard about like someone I know. So, 
Long story short, this happened to a dog and it was super sad. But I'm gonna go with the skunk. Ooh. Skunk is a nocturnal animal. Great guess, Stevie. Woo! Right, you're up. Yeah, this was a mess up story for a later day, but it happened to a dog. Whose dog? A later day. Oh no. Keep talking. Day. Brett, you're up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go down, uh, Scorpion. Oh. Nocturnal! <laughs> Jordan, you're up. Fuck. <laughs> Brett, how'd you go so quickly? Mm. <laughs> that wasn't quick. This is, this is great podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we do have great editors, audio. luckily. Uh, I can't even think of one. You're going to just take a strike? I'm going to reserve my guess for next round. Yes. <laughs> that doesn't make sense Fuck at me. all. Stevie, that you're up. That doesn't make sense, but... Uh, let's go with the strongest animal pound for pound. Let's go with the leopard. Fuck you, Stevie. The leopard is a nocturnal animal. Woo! Stevie, you He have, loves the big cats. You have but one strike. Dude, I got to name him. I got to name Damn him. Damn it. Brett, you're up. Spiders. It's a pretty generalizing sweep. Yeah, I don't think you can just say spiders. There's 933 different types of owls, but I can't say spiders. <laughs> spiders and all those owls is are fucking incorrect. <laughs> spiders, no go. Jordan, it's your last chance. You're swinging for the fences, otherwise it's Stevie's ball game. What? What? Tiger. Damn it! Tiger is so nocturnal, Jordan. <laughs> oh, Stevie, no. you're up. No! How many strikes do I have? One. <laughs> Fuck! Oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> Jordan, you messed up my game. You messed up my cat Fuck game. Fuck your big cats. <laughs> Love my big I cats. I saw your game big there. Big cat, get mine. <laughs> Um, what? I can't just say snakes, can I? Most spiders are nocturnal. You can definitely. Oh. You can say you can say snakes. Well, uh, it's too generalizing, though, isn't it? Or are they? Or is it like <laughs> yeah. sweet? I, I don't know. Um, just for snakes and not being stupid, let's go with anaconda. Mm. Mm, Brittany said spiders are nocturnal, but you know, whatever. Yeah, she's probably better than Wikipedia and Google. Anaconda is incorrect. No! <sighs> Brett, I mean, it, spiders is not on the list. Firefly is on the list. Crickets are on the list. I think <laughs> they put spiders on the list, man. They're not going to forget about them. It's a huge hmm. list. Hmm. Speaking of a huge list... Jordan has to name one more nocturnal animal out of this huge list. There's a lot left. Wait, are, I'm on two strikes. Is Stevie on two or three? I'm on two strikes. He's on, yeah, but if you get it wrong, he's you're out. No, I get it. I get it. I'm just trying to make sure. Also stalling for time. You know, if, if you guys listen to the pod, you'd see that we usually do cut out your thinking time. So <laughs> you can think for a little longer. It just makes more work for us. 
need this thinking time. <laughs> I see. <laughs> Crabs? <laughs> 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 Trying to go towards the water here. Which kind of crabs? <laughs> Horseshoe crabs, specifically. I didn't know if you meant pubic crabs. I'm going to say that you get that wrong, because hermit crab is on the list. Motherfucker. Oh. And also, Brett, the only thing they have listed related to a spider here is actually tarantula. Ah. And I kind of gave you a chance when I said what type... Because yeah. just spiders in general is not on the list. I'm sorry, bud. Can you can you edit that out so I don't have to jump when I hear it on the pod? <laughs> you know when it's coming now. So don't edit that shit out. Right. <laughs> when we're oh, an geez. hour and twenty right. minutes yeah. in, especially because after it. I said it, he goes ah. <laughs> <laughs> I concede. My bad. Um, who's the one? Who's the person that guessed the crocodile? Me. Sadly, only the dwarf qu- crocodile. Oh, <laughs> <God>. Dwarf bastard. <laughs> That's a fish. But here are some ones you guys missed. And if anybody's with us still on the pod, like thank, <laughs> thank goodness for you. But like badgers, bandicoots, bats, <sighs> beavers. Like there's so many. Oh, just cat like beavers, beavers are nocturnal. Yeah, and you guys were talking about the big cats. You forgot just household cat, cougars, lions, and jaguars. Oh. You guys could have kept Cougars going. do come out at I night. I said the panther. No dice. <laughs> so you, t- yeah. Wait, did you say jaguar? Yeah. No, I said, le- I said panther. Uh, what did I say? Leopard? Josh, you said jaguar? Yeah, jaguar is one. Is nocturnal? Yeah. A panther is a jaguar. Stupid head. Well, good thing at least uh, Stevie's. Big cat bringing it home. Is a panther a jaguar? Yes, it's a black jaguar. Oh, that's right, because there's not really just a... Yeah, you're right. It's like... It's under the sub subfamily, Pantherinia. He won anyway, so yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I feel like is a pretty Big solid. Big cat. Everyone got a pretty fair shake there. Porcupine. These are just the easier ones, but... Jordan, I'm buying you time now for you to think of a movie, or Stevie to think of a movie. Okay. Um, also, the common mouse... Is nocturnal. Oh yeah, duh. But uh, we're gonna toss over to Spoiler Man, and when we come back, Stevie will give us our next movie game. Movie. Point Break oh, again. Point Break. The oh, female I would love it. We want Swayze. We want Swayze. Oh, I'd love to do some Roadhouse or yeah. dancing. Pappy would hate that movie. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcastspoilers. It's lit. Stevie, have you thought of a movie for spoilers to spoil? I have. Is it from and the 80s? Ghost. I think 86, maybe 88, maybe 1990 for all I know. I cannot <laughs> remember. But this is a podcast where there can only be one. And we're going to do some Sweet Sweet Highlander. I've always wanted to see that movie. 1986. There we go. I feel like it'll be the exact same goodness as Thor Ragnarok. Isn't Highlander like the yep. most divisive movie ever? Like you either like love it or you it's despise it. It's a bad it. movie, but I love watching it. I love Christopher Lambert, so. There you go. And Sean Connery playing a Spanish guy. Who doesn't love that? 
I'm watching a movie where he plays an Irish guy right now, and you'd be surprised how bad of an Irish accent he has. Well, join us next time on Spoilers. We, we will try out our Irish accents. Uh, I think that's it. Unless you guys have anything else. Nope. That was Spoilers. Hey, this is your pappy calling and leaving a message about the Nocturnal Admirals podcast that I couldn't be on. Uh, sorry, I was hanging out with a lady that I met on Tinder. Um, we went and had drinks and uh, we made out and then I never saw her again. Anyway, the movie was good. Um, hope the episode's good. Can't wait to listen. Uh, love you guys. Bye.